At its 2011 Emerging Artists Symposium, SDCF hosted a panel moderated by Ellen Rusconi and featuring established freelance theater artists Jeremy Dobrich, Sarah Maxfield, Daniel Talbot, and Wendy Seib. Topics cover the career trajectories of these established freelance artists. From start to the current moment, the term emerging versus established artist, how they got jobs at the start of their career versus how they get jobs now, agents, what constitutes a successful collaboration, and everyday steps early career artists can take to further their career. This conversation is an inspiring window into how to get started and sustain a career as a working artist. Hello, I'm SDC Director Susan Schulman, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the SDCF, the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. All right, thank you all for coming. We're here at the SDCF Symposium in 2011. It's June 6th, and we're at MTC Rehearsal Studios. This event was generously sponsored by uh, Play by Play, and Play by Play is an audience services company. So thank you all for coming here today. We are here to talk with four directors and choreographers about their careers. They are Jeremy Dobrish, Sarah Maxfield, Wendy Saib, and Daniel Talbot. So we'll start with Jeremy. Um, we'll mix it up later, but this time, but right now, for right now, we'll go kind of down the line and talk about careers. And I want to mention there will be time at the end for some question and answer. So, um, if you could each, in turn, kind of provide us with a brief description of your career tra- trajectory and how did you start in New York? Um, your most influential and valuable experiences, disappointments, kind of whatever you'd like to let us know about yourself. Um, well, I graduated from college, and uh, like I think a lot of people had the experience in college of working with the same actors and designers over and over again, and had really enjoyed that aspect of collaboration, and was not looking forward to the aspect of directing that is working with people for you know six weeks or whatever it is, and then you know you don't necessarily see them so often. So. I wanted to kind of keep the family together, so I started my own theater company, which was called Adobe, and uh, all through the 90s, um, we were a very successful off-off-Broadway theater company. Um, We uh, started out, you know, we had no money. Um, We literally, uh, there were six of us from Wesleyan who did it together, and we literally were working at other theaters trying to get opportunities, and I was working at Soho Rep. And um, they rented out their space, and that was kind of my job, was to rent the space out. And one of the renters bagged, and the artistic director said to me, "If you, we have a free week. If you want that week, you can have it for free, um, but it's in six weeks. And I was like, yeah, great, in, got it, done, no problem. I didn't have a play, I didn't have an idea, I didn't have anything. And um, so we all sort of chipped in as much money as we could. We had $750 between us. That was our budget. Um, and uh, we did, uh, you know, our friends and family came and, and we uh, counted up our box office at the end and uh, we had about $750. <laughs> and so we were like, well, we could pay ourselves back or 
we know we could do a show for $750. Like, who's in for more? And uh, that kind of became the theater company. And for a long time, I resisted the typical, um, you know, we need a mission statement and, and all that kind of stuff. I said, you know, we're, we're young. Let's just work and kind of figure it out. And that worked for a while. And then eventually it didn't. And we needed to get serious about, you know, who we were and what we were doing. But it had given us a few years to really just do whatever we wanted. And honestly, it was the press who told us what made us different, what made us special, what made us interesting. We would read our reviews and go, oh, that's what we do? Oh, cool. Um, I guess we're quirky. I guess we're zany. I guess we're exciting and fresh, you know? Um, And so that's kind of what we became. We said, well, that's what we're good at. Let's keep doing that. And... um, And I directed a lot of the shows at Adobe and started to get a reputation as a director for doing these zany, fresh, exciting shows. And that sort of launched my career as a director. As producers got to know know, who I was, they would hire me to do those kind of projects. And and so I did that for a while. And then somehow I started getting musicals. I I did not come from musical (laughs) theater at all. I knew nothing about musical theater. But I guess there's something about musical theater that's zany and exciting and fresh. (laughs) Or something. So people thought I was a good match for musicals, and I started getting musicals. And I would say for the last ten years, I've just been doing music like ton. Not that I don't ever do plays, but more and more and more musicals. And so now I've kind of gotten a reputation as being like the guy who does new musicals. And um, at Adobe, I also um, wrote some of the shows. And so you were talking about the hyphenate yeah. thing. Um, I'm I'm definitely a director first and foremost, but I am a, a director slash playwright. And so. In terms of developing new musicals, that has proven to be very useful, um, bringing the kind of dramaturgical skills as a director that a playwright would have. Um, so that's me. Oh, and then I then I got married and had kids and moved to New Jersey. And, uh, <laughs> and, and as it turned out, there's a lot of, of um, theater people, bizarrely, who live in my town, live in Maplewood, and there's a lot of theater people, especially musical theater people, who live out there. Christine Ebersol. Right? Yes, she does. Um, Norbert Leo Butts lives out there, Christiane Knoll, I mean, it, it just goes on and on. So um, I started a theater company out there with all these musical theater actors to do um, uh, performances in South Orange, New Jersey, where we live. Okay, now I'm really done. Uh, I'm Sarah Maxfield. I have some, some similar stories to you, I guess. But I, I would say that my career trajectory has been a process of moving into abstraction and being okay with abstraction and being okay with being something that is hard to define without a lot of hyphens and dashes. Um, I studied dance, you know, all through childhood and then went to school for acting and um, kind of fell in love with directing by the end of my college education and then moved to New York to start a theater company, as we all think is the way we're supposed to do it. Um, Also because I wanted to work with people kind of on a regular basis and I was really interested in working with form and abstracting form and it seemed like a good way to work with that was to work with a consistent group of folks. Um, So I, you know, I I sort of went the opposite way as you, I think, and I was like, we need to have a mission statement and we need to have a definition and we should think about getting our 501c3 and sort of all this sort of cart before the horse um, ideas. Luckily, we didn't actually get the 501c3 at that point, which was a good stroke of luck. Um, But I worked with that same group of people more or less for uh, almost 10 years in a variety of ways. And that process was sort of me learning, I think, about what it was that I really wanted to do that uh, turned out to be a little bit different than being the director of a theater company. Um, 
both artistic director and actually directing the work. Uh, I was writing a lot of it also, and I was more and more and more interested in doing work that was really, uh, really playing with form, and where I was maybe a writer, but also sort of working as a curator, also working as a musician or a composer or a choreographer, you know, and um, it became clearer to me as I went along that it was maybe better for me to do that uh, more on my own than with a company because uh, particularly working with actors there's a certain expectation about their role within the process and, and, and the meat of what they're going to be able to do with that work and if I'm like I actually want to do this thing that's going to be totally boring for you as an actor because I want you to just stand there or something like that. <laughs> and there are some actors that really get into that and, and you know it's, it's harder to, to find them um, Let's just be honest. But I I ended up working um, mostly, and I'm still very much housed in the so-called downtown um, dance and performance community. I tend to uh, get reviewed as dance, even when I was working with what I was calling a theater company. I was being reviewed as dance, and uh, I was being seen as dance. Um, I I just found somehow that... um, for me and for the work I was making and continue to make, there's more openness in the dance community and the dance field and the dance press than there is in the theater world press community. That's just been my experience. Um, I don't think that's true for everyone, but I've somehow ended up in that category, not through any real um, effort to move in that direction on on my part. and I've also started recently to become more involved in the visual art world because that seems to be something that's opening up for performance uh, as well. Uh, I worked at a lot of different places that I think may have also contributed to my artistic work being seen in that way because I, I when I first moved here, I interned for PS122 and I then worked there for almost two years and I also worked at Dance Theater Workshop for a number of years, which is sadly almost no more now New York yeah. Live Arts yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I worked at uh, a Dance Space Project as well so I think partially just by being uh, an administrator in those venues people started to think of me as a dance type person but really most of my training is as a director um, but because I tend to play with these hybrid ideas I think it gets somehow it's easier for people to, to categorize it into dance yeah. um, it is interesting, though, also yeah. that those early choices you made, which may not have really been choices, but I will take this job at Dance Theater Workshop almost you know, does go on to partly... Yeah, well, I would say those those were definitely choices. Um, I mean, it, it because I couldn't find what I was looking for anywhere else. You know, I was looking for... Uh, experimental work and I was seeing it at mm-hmm. PS122 and DTW and The Kitchen and Dance Space and you know what I was looking to see and and, uh, and it's interesting I mean PS is, is much more of a theater space but somehow that it's still uh, it's just a very interesting sort of taxonomy that plays out in that I think um, but yes working at those places I mean it was intentional I like banged on the door of PS122 until they gave me an internship and I think everything I've done in New York since has stemmed from being at that place and being surrounded by those artists and those people and you know I house managed there for a long time so I literally saw every night of every show for about two years which was really a great little grad school um, let's see well, I started I came to New York as a dancer um, I went into the concert world uh, just because that was familiar to me and about 
six months into it, I was like, I'm going to choreograph. Um, how do I do that? I mean, I did a little bit in college, uh, and uh, I had a good friend of mine that was had, I had moved to New York. She had been here before. She helped me get a job at Equinox, which is great for a dancer to work at. Free gym. Got to use the space. Um, and so she and I ended up just sort of putting on shows together. Uh, down at Merce Cunningham is where we started. It's still down there. It's a great studio to to really put your work up. They're very friendly. It's nice. Um, you can't wear shoes in the studio, which is always interesting for your audience. Kind of separates men from women, or men from boys, actually. Um, but um, I was also trying to figure out how to work and make a living, and I started to kind of move into musical theater also um, because my work is very comical. It's very story-driven, and it took me a long time to sort of admit that because <laughs> in the in the concert dance world at the time this was 15 years ago um, it, it it wasn't funny let's put it that way <laughs> um, which is fine but I didn't find that I fit very well in that world because of that um, so I gravitated toward the musical theater world which I kind of kind of still fit in I kind of kind of fit in both worlds never fully in one though and um I ended up getting work as a choreographer of musical theater, which I found very interesting. There was comedy there, there was character there, a lot less dance. So over the past like 10 years, I've been vacillating between both worlds, uh, creating my own wor- work in, we'll say, the concert dance world, downtown theater scene. <laughs> I can't believe we haven't met until today. I know, so crazy. it's amazing. <laughs> Where? Uptown um, brought us together. Yeah, uptown. Yeah, yeah. um, and so I've been generating work there, finding my voice as a choreographer and really doing that. So in that way, you, I guess you would call me a, a writer, director, choreographer. Um, but in the concert dance world, that's a choreographer. Um, and then in the musical theater world, <clears throat> I've been having a lovely trajectory in a lot of new musicals. Uh, Jeremy and I work together on a musical, uh, which is great. He's really good directing musicals. <laughs> right now. Um, and so... Uh, I've been doing a lot of new musicals in the musical theater world and working my way sort of up in that world. And a lot, the main goal for that was, well, it's fun and it's lovely and pays bills. And so far, it's paid bills. <laughs> um, but also my idea was to get noticed in that world also as a choreographer to get my dance work noticed. Because when I saw Matthew Bourne's uh, Swan Lake, I was like, Really? <laughs> Guys, it's just a ballet. Why is everybody freaking out? I'm like, oh, it's, I mean, it's amazing. And it's on Broadway. And then there was contact and moving out. And to me, that's the penultimate of what I want to do. So to me, I'm sort of always kind of working both worlds um, and trying to merge the two. And that's been 15 years. (laughs) Um. I actually I started as a baseball player. I was I was training from like the age of nine to be a professional baseball player, um, and I moved in with my grandparents to go to high school. And uh, my grandma took me to see a show at Berkeley Rep. Um, and my grandfather almost had a heart attack, but I quit playing baseball cold turkey and went to ACT. And my grandfather stopped speaking to me for like a year and a half. <laughs> stopped speaking to my grandma too and blamed it on him. Um, and uh, and so I I. I weirdly just instantly fell in love with the theater and um, and wanted to do everything from pickup programs and sell tickets at ACT to whatever I could do possible and um, 
I, I didn't know anything about the theater, so I, I the only thing I could find out about was acting. So I started as an actor. Um, I've made my living as an actor since I was 17, and um, and uh, and then went to school as an actor. And I knew that I always wanted to also direct and uh, attempt to write plays and you know hang lights and put costumes on, do whatever I could do in the theater. And uh, and so we started a small theater company, and um, I now work for two theater companies and also produce and um, write plays and direct and act. And, um, so that was my trajectory. <laughs> that was it. So. Um, just out of curiosity, how many people here have their own theater companies? So it's a similar thing. Um, I know it's hard to, nobody likes to categorize themselves, especially not hyphenates. Mm-hmm. But how many of you consider yourself, do any of you consider yourself emerging artists? Or what was the turning point? <laughs> or did you never consider yourself an emerging artist? I, I think, I mean, when you had sort of sent that out as one of the topics to talk about on the panel, I was thinking a lot about that. And, and I think um, it's obviously a very charged word for people because it relates to age and how we think of our age and all those things. But I I think that for me, I sort of think of emerging in in kind of two separate categories and they don't run in parallel. And one is emerging as an artist. So when you think of emerging artists, sometimes you're like, seriously, I've been doing this for a really long time and now I'm the emerging artist. (laughs) Um, You know, and you see people that get that Jerome Grant that are like, you know, 40 and just like, how does that feel for that person? It's just really not. And they've been working for 15 years. Yeah, it's insane. But I, I think, so I think it's that's where it becomes problematic that you know you you emerge as an artist much earlier than you emerge like in a somewhat commercial sense um, in terms of how your art relates to your income that part of it I think is what typically uh, leads the the charge in terms of how that name is applied to artists and it's the other thing that makes people sort of bristle at it because usually, you know, I mean, I would say, you know, in terms of my artistic voice, I feel like that was about a decade of really figuring out what that is. And I think it's something that is always going to grow, but I feel like I have a real sense now of of what it is that I really want to do. And I'm not kind of trying lots of other things and, and saying yes to every project that comes along because I'm just trying to figure out what that what that is and what it is that I want to make. And so in that sense, I feel like I've emerged as an artist. But in the economic sense, I think it's a totally different issue. That's my take on it. So you think we should start seeing those in, in different light? I think so. I mean, I, I have a lot of... I, I think having a, having some really frank conversations and really serious thinking about the relationship between creativity and commerce is something that we could all really benefit from as a field and, and really separating those things out and making clear choices about each of them and, and looking at how they relate to each other and, and not defining artistic success based on economic success and vice versa, I think would be really helpful. But I'm, you know, the crazy downtown kid, so <laughs> what do I know? about economics. <laughs> I think uh, in terms of the way that we you know, generally use the, the phrase emerging artist, I, I was thinking about it a lot. I got your questions and I, you know, oh gosh, it's a really good question. Um, so in my thoughts about it, I, I, I came to the conclusion that there's, there's no such thing as an emerging artist. I don't really know what that is. I, I think that you either haven't emerged as an artist, or you have emerged as an artist. But where is that moment where you are emerging? It, it, it doesn't exist, I don't think. So then the question becomes, well, what 
what is that separation? What, how do you know if you've emerged or you haven't emerged? And I guess uh, the best answer I could come up with is, you know, as directors, the, the question always is, well, why would somebody hire you to direct this piece? What makes you the right director for this piece? So you've emerged, at least for a given individual, when that individual would be able to make a, a true judgment on that. You know, In other words, you as a director, you would be good at directing, let's just say, a zany new musical. <laughs> because you've directed a zany new musical successfully, and so I think you could do that well. Therefore, for me, you have emerged as a director. And so that's the question. When do you have that show, or that series of shows, or those couple of events, or those connections that get you to have been emerged? But what's tricky about it is that it's not objective, right? It's not like you can say, well, look, either you're a member of SDC or you're not, right? That's clear. But whether you've emerged or not is a value judgment that, that any one individual is going to make. If they never heard of that show, My Little Zany New Musical that I directed, if, if producer X never heard of it or never saw it, then to that producer, I haven't emerged. And you could look, you know, other than like the top, top directors that probably we've all heard of, there are plenty of directors out there who we could say pretty objectively have emerged, yet probably maybe 80% of you have never heard of them. So... I don't know, that was the best I could come up with. <laughs> but what was that turning point for you? And where do you feel like... For me, I mean, if I had to, to, to slot it on, yeah. the, on the one show, well, I mean, I guess the, the first show that I did, um, it, you know, got a rave review in the New York Times, and um, this was a show I had, I had written and directed, and agents came down to see it, and publishers came down to see it, and I started to sort of get courted. Um, Can you say what show that was? Uh, that was a show called uh, Blink of an Eye, which none of you have ever heard of, for sure. Um, then, uh, then, then the next show was a show called Duet that Adobe did that um, moved off broad. We had a commercial producers come in and move the show, and that show definitely. To this day, I meet people who are like, oh my God, Duet was one of my favorite shows. You know, it's one of those things like like Moose Murders, right? Where they're like, more people... Will, no, no, no. In the, well, in this sense. Not in the sense that the show's exactly. In the sense that, like, more people will tell you they saw Moose Murders than could possibly have seen Moose Murders. The same is true with Duet, I think. Like, so many people told me they saw that show. It didn't run that long. Um, but somehow... I think the lead... Sorry to interrupt you, but I actually think the lead industry saw it. I mean, I saw that show, and I would see, at that time, I probably saw 200, I counted, actually, when I saw like 210 shows a year. But yeah. That show was very, right. very, not stylized so much, but it was very specific, and it really stood out, and it was one of those shows that, the, you know, somebody was saying earlier how you pick that show, you know, you pick a show before you invite everybody in. You don't just invite everybody to, you know, you have to pick the right one, and that was one of those <coughs> shows that really told an audience who you were, whether that was right or wrong. Right. You came away with, from that show with a feeling of, oh, this is Jeremy Dobrish, and he'd be good at this. Well, thank you. Um, and, and, and But what has happened for me much is, it's funny, because you sent us everybody's bios, and I was yes. reading my bios, and I, I recently revamped my bio, and one of the things that I did is, um, I don't mention any of the shows that I directed in my bio, because... Most people haven't heard of them. They're not. They're not <laughs> groundbreaking shows that went on to have long, long runs. The places that I've worked, to me, 
are more easily recognizable, more something that might impress somebody reading a bio, than the names of the shows themselves. So I got rid of those. So for me, I don't necessarily look at a specific, although, you know, if asked, I would, you know, duet, you know. Uh, but for me, I think it's just my reputation has somehow gotten out there enough that for, you know, enough people, they would probably know who I am or, or in their own mind have a sense of what they might hire me for or not. So to that sense, I'd like to think that I've emerged, but there are plenty of people out there who have no idea who I am. I think I was surprised that it was a question about emerging artists. I mean, are people like, hi, it's nice to meet you. Are you an emerging artist? I mean, what, like, why, who's asking you to define yourself in that way? Is it grants? It's mostly grants. Grants? (laughs) <laughs> Say whatever you want in grants. No, no. <laughs> Listen, I you know uh, I don't know if any of you know Kevin Wynn, he's a choreographer. Um, when I found out he was having like his, I think it was his 15th anniversary, and he was still considered an emerging artist, I was like, <laughs> that's when I threw that out the window. I was like, whatever. You know, I mean, yeah, there's Bill T. Jones, and then there's Kevin Wynn, and there's Ailey, and then there's, you know, Doug Marone, and I mean, it, it, I mean, I kind of don't care. I hate to say that. That sounds yeah, terrible. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean to poo-poo on anyone. I mean, obviously, it's something that you struggle with, but I, I mean, it's sort of like what Jeremy was saying uh, for me. You know, I worked, I got a leg in in the off-off-Broadway world, right? Then I started working in the off-Broadway world. Sweet. Then... I started pushing my way into the Broadway world. And I just did my first Broadway show last year, which was great. Then I was asked to um, present an award at the Innovative Theater Awards for the off-off-Broadway community. Now, so in that world, I've totally made it in a way, you know? <laughs> but I'm still working hard as an artist. I mean, to me, it's just more about doing the work that you like and continuing to work with who you like to work with. And if people want to call you an emerging artist, fine. If they want to call you, you know... Done and you, you, you're a crappy artist, whatever. Fine, whatever. You know. Um, I mean, I know it's really the only time I've come across it is in grants. And your best bet is to look at who they fund, who who gets these grants. You know, are you similar to their work? You know, you look at where they are in their career. Are you at the same place? You know, I could never compete with Bill T to apply for a grant. I've used my company name like three times in the world. You know, like, no one knows my company. Um, in the theater world, that might be different. So, you know, it's, it's, it's this weird variable that only you can define for yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was, so what was most helpful to you, Daniel, in kind of propelling your career? And, you um, know, were there, was there any particular relationship or experience not- or any of that? I think, I, you know, it's, it's funny that I, and this isn't to sound like, uh, I don't know, flipping or whatever, but I, don't, I, off, I honestly don't think about my career that much. Like, I, I, I concentrate on the work that I do, and if I love it, I really try to get it out there, and I, I try to simplify my life as much as possible. Like, I have a family, I have my friends, I have my kid, and I, and I work all the time. I'm, like, work-obsessed. And, and so I kind of like with sports... Like I, you either hit the ball or you don't. You know what I mean? It's it's a pretty it's a pretty simple equation. You know, Roger Federer either doesn't blow the first set yesterday right. or he does. And I don't have a breakdown or I do. Um, so uh, I really wanted him to win the French yesterday. Uh, it was so close. Um, and uh, you know, and and so I, you know, for me, I don't really and and not 
again, not to sound like a jerk at all, it, but it's like I don't really care about emerging or established. I don't really care if you're established or emerging. I, it's like whether you do the work and you show up and you're respectful to people and you actually do the work. And it's like, and there's a lot of people who are emerging who show up and do the work. There's a lot of people who are emerging who are full of shit and there's a lot of people who are established who are full of shit and there's a lot of people who are established to show up and do the work and and it's like my thing is like show up kick ass on your work the only reason any of us do this and don't get paid any money to do it is because of the work and you know it's and I just I think the only time I've ever heard the term emerging artist is when I'm laughing about it because Adam Rapp gets an emerging artist grant you know and I, and I work I work, at, I work at Rattlestick and Adam came in the other day he's like Daniel I just got a fucking emerging artist grant I've been doing this I'm like 40 you know he was like he was like you know he's like I feel so sick you know and you know so it's like like I laugh about it or it's, it's usually like grants or arts administrators yeah. that talk yeah, about really it and it. so it's usually it's kind of the corporatization of theater in a way and um, board members talk a lot about it and I, I honestly you know and it's not that that stuff isn't important it's not that you don't want to make money and make a living doing this but I, I for me if I think about it that way I become very paralyzed it's kind of like with math or something like that and so <laughs> I, I just try to I try to work as hard as I can with what I've been given and do the best job I can do and then try to push myself further than I've pushed myself in the other show and then I try to invite everyone I know to come and watch it and be part of it with me because I don't think theater happens without that and that's all I worry about and if I start worrying about the other shit, I hope my wife calls me on it and just like stop worrying about the other shit. And and then and it just makes it, it means that I can focus on the work, which is the reason I do this. And and then it's it's nice when someone gives you an award. And if it's called emerging artist, that's fantastic. If it helps pay for my kids' preschool, that's great. Um, and if and if I don't, then I'd still do this. Do you know what I mean? And so it's I, there's shows that I've done that people love. There's shows that I've done that they're like, why the hell is he working as a hack? There's times I agree with them. There's times I don't. It's like it's so everyone has such an opinion, and, and art is so subjective. It is such kind of an imperfect personal art form, and I just figure you do it because you love it. And if you don't love it, it's the wrong job to do because you're probably not going to be well known. You're probably not going to make. I mean, my mom has no idea who Cherry Jones is, and I think that's crazy. You know, I don't think I don't think like 98 percent of the world knows who Christine Ingersoll is. You know, and you go, this woman's. A, I think she's a genius. And no one cares, you know, and so it's like, in the bottom line, it's like, you you know, I, I just think you can't worry about it, yeah. you know, and not to discourage what this whole panel is about, they're like, yeah. I'm never talking to this person again, but... Yeah. Um, I asked Ellen, I'm like, can I yeah. say that, Ellen? I don't mean to, like... Yeah, I don't mean to be a jerk about it at all, like, it's, you know, but... It came up because somebody in our office was saying... It happened, you hear it all the time, our office yeah. were saying, like, how can this person consider herself an emerging artist? And I said, because there are 80 directors in line, I said 70... At least 70 directors in line ahead of her for any given job. Yeah. I mean, it's just. But going that way, let's yeah. let's get off the emerging artist thing and talk about how do you get jobs? I mean, because the goal is eventually, whether you, you know, at some point, to kind of live off of your art, right? Yeah. So, yeah. how do you all get your jobs now? And how is that different from? Ten years ago, I apply for emerging art grants. No. <laughs> you do, you do though. Sadly, I mean, we all we do. do. We're like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's so you know, it's yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I when we were talking a little bit about this. I started to trace sort of um, the work I've been getting in musical theater. Really came from doing my work in the concert dance world and making sure that I put it in theater venues to get noticed. I mean, not just get noticed to do the work, obviously, but. Um, you know, I, I uh, one thing, uh, let's say, okay, so uh, Alex Timbers, who's director of Pee Wee, right? 
Um, he had seen my work three years ago when I produced a one-nighter at Nymph called Freshly Tossed, and it was an evening of dance comedy. Um, because I didn't want to be alone in the world. <laughs> um, and I met him then. I was in 2007. Two years later, he calls me for a job that I did not get hired for, which is a disappointment. I've answered that question. Um, but we both still really liked each other, and that comes and goes, and we knew we'd work together someday. And then I knew he was bringing Pee Wee to Broadway, and choreography was coming into question, so I was like, hey, you want some kick-ass choreography? You know, hit a call. <laughs> call me. <laughs> and he did. He's like, actually, I've been talking to Paul, Paul Rubens, about your work. But if I trace it back, it was all from doing my own work, putting it up, getting it out there, putting it in front of the people who I wanted to work with and the venues and the, the places where I wanted to work. I mean, I, I do in the dance world, but... They don't laugh a lot in dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to notice, though, that it takes... I mean, that took time. That yeah. took a lot of time. That was a process. That does not mean that if you put a show up today and you don't get a job by next week, no. that, that's not what happened. No, and to get to that point, I had been working with Nymph 2004, 5, 6, you know, three or four years to where they came to me and they're like, you want to do something? And I'm like, yeah, I got a kick-ass idea. And... You know, that work that I had put up there, I had been doing for two years, those pieces. So, you know, it's, it's you know, yeah, you just got just to gotta keep point. doing the work, and especially your own work. If you don't see it out there, make it. Yeah. Just make it. That's why I stopped as a dancer. I was like, no one's doing anything I would really want to do. Let me do it and see what happens. You know? Anybody else? How do you guys get jobs now? I mean, I would say it's very similar. I, I self-produced for a long time. I, I curate a number of series now. I mean, I, I really think now of my artistic work as including curation and writing, that that's, you know, part of my art making. Um, and initially it was the same kind of thing. Like, I wasn't seeing out there what I wanted to be engaged with, so I started making these things at wherever I could find. You know, I did something at the Red Room. I mm-hmm. did some stuff at Galapagos back when they were oh, yeah. in Williamsburg. And... Um, <clears throat> You know, any Dixon Place, any of these places that are sort of open to the grassroots ground level of, of uh, emerging <laughs> <laughs> or recent move to New York folks. Um, and after doing that for a long time, it's you know only recently that places are starting to contact me with interest. But I would say like it's the same thing like you guys were saying with the emerging artist thing. Like it's a rolling process. Like every time you get to another hurdle that maybe five or ten years ago you were like oh if I could just get there and then you get there and it's like the horizon line yeah. just keeps moving <laughs> so Absolutely. it's you know you, you, if I if I met myself ten years ago now I think I, I would be like wow you're doing all this great stuff this is right. amazing you know but now I feel like I'm still nowhere near being able to for example like support myself yeah. solely off of my art making income you know and part of that is because I've made some cl- very clear decisions about the kind of work I want to make and knowing that it's non-commercial I mean I look at people that I respect I mean you mentioned like, Christine Eversley I mean, I'm talking about even more like of that like rolling down like how many people have heard of Ishmael Houston Jones like yeah. he's somebody that is like at the incredible expert level in this field and he's still like Hustling to you know make his living, and so when I look at people, and he's in his fifties, you know, so I, the future is bleak for me on an economic. <laughs> and you have um, New York Times review this year. I've had two Times review this past year for my most recent project that I did in March, and the, and the previous one, and that is you know in some sense a, a marker of 
yeah. whether or not people are paying attention to you. I mean, it, it, I think it's really important to think about, you know, like you were sort of saying, the, the emerging idea is relative. It's like to whom? Like, you know, so right. the press is paying attention, but what does that mean? And before the press pays attention, your sort of local industry pays attention. And, and every all of those people are just sort of following each other because nobody wants to be left out in the dark, you know? So if you end up chasing that, then you just get caught sort of chasing your tail. I think it really has to be more about, you know, what is the work that you want to do? What do you want to be saying? And if you're consistent about that, ultimately those things will come to you and, and, and these venues and producers and folks that are looking for content, I think, will will find you. I find the more I work on my just my work, opportunities come in. When you try and control that, no one calls you. Yeah. <laughs> it is so right. theater. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. the more you want it, you don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's like this weird like I'm going to ignore that show. Yeah. Maybe it'll come find me. It's always yeah. the audition you go in that you want so bad and you just fail horribly. And then, like you go and you're like, oh, you Whatever. Know. Okay. And that's the one you always book. It's the, it's that backwards thing, you know. Jeremy, how do you get jobs? Well, for sure. I mean, the, the way you get work is to work. Yeah. Did an agent change things for you much? Well, well, I mean, because there's this notion that, like, you sure. get an agent to sure. bring me all kinds of work, and right. they don't bring you work. That, that's for sure enough. I mean, the agents yeah, don't don't really bring you work, and, and most agents will tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's not actually their job. So, um, I'm, I've been very happy with the agents that I've had, and I think having an agent. I, I, oh, sorry. And people ask me a, a lot. You know, advice about agents. Do I need an agent? Should I have an agent? What does an agent do? And and I, I certainly think an agent is valuable. And mm-hmm. if you can get an agent, you should have you should have an agent. But an agent is not the answer to the question. How do you get work? No. Yeah. It also depends, I think, on what field you're in. Like for me, for example, an agent makes no sense. Right. right? I, and no one that works in the sort of downtown world, it, it just it doesn't exist in that context. So like really kind of defining what angle of the field you're working in and what is the sort of, what are the tools that you need and what is the team that you need, like, depending on what your goal is, I think it makes sense. Um, can we talk about collaboration just for a little bit, both as a, as a curator and as a director choreographer relationship and as an artistic director? What makes a great collaboration? Is there a quality? Is there something that you can, you know, is there some advice you can give? The two words that, that come to my mind the most are uh, vulnerability and respect. If that makes any, I don't know why, but that's the first stuff that, that's the first thing that jumped into my head. Um, I, I mean, I, I do truly believe theater is a collaborative art form, and I've, I've worked with people who I, I think stretch whether that's the truth for them or not, <laughs> even though they would say that. Um, and you know, and I, it doesn't happen without that. But I think I think it all comes from respect and honesty with respect, you know, and and vulnerability. And I don't. And that's that's for some reason those are those are the things that pop up in my head with the best relationships I've had. The people who have been totally honest, but it's out of love and wanting the work to be better, not out of like power games or kind of their own ego or their own crap. Um, and you get both, you know what I mean. And but the ones who, the one that, that have been deepest, have been the most brutally honest, and it's all been work centered, you know. And um, the play is the thing, you know. And you know that it, um, that, that those are the words that pop in my head. The most, yeah. so. I always say foxhole. Who do you want in the foxhole with you? Yeah. yeah. Who do you want 
to be, you know, as a choreographer coming from the concert dance world, um, it was just me, you know, creating the work, directing and choreographing. And as I merged into theater, it was very odd. I'm like, who's this director person? <laughs> oh, how do I work with them? Because I was always used to being in charge. And it's become uh, invaluable to me to have, I consider them my partner. And someone you want in that foxhole with you. Right, Jeremy? <laughs> Absolutely. Jeremy and I had a very... We put up the show we worked together now three times, I think it was. And it's always been a joy to work with him. It's You, you, you want to keep going back to the people that you like, that you work well with. Um, you know, I'm, I'm as a choreographer, I feel like you have to be a little flexible in that, um, you know, d- directors are different. Some will be like, scene, 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 downbeat. Choreographer. <laughs> Button. Now I take it back, you know. Um, I tend to be, I like to be a little more fluid in that, yes, this is mine, but please, if there's things, you know, and scenes, we tag team, I like to do that. Um, Some directors are like, this is a great musical number, this is what I'm thinking I want to see for it, and they bring in props and set, and you're like, okay, great. I didn't think that, but, you know, um, but as long as you, yeah, have that, that vulnerability and that respect, and you're both about the piece, and you're on the same page for this tone and the style of the piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you want to you want to have someone in that foxhole that you can trust. If you're like, I can't, I can't get this, you know, um, that's someone you can help lean on. Or if they're frustrated, I'll be like, well, what do you think about that? You know, it's it's all for the piece, really. Sure. I I think it's also really helpful, um, especially maybe, I mean, I think in any context, but especially maybe when you're working in a less traditional context where there are, the roles are maybe less clear to really start from the outset with clear understandings of the expectation of each person involved. And also not necessarily in a super formal way, but make sure that it's clear to everyone kind of who has the last word so that, um, you know, if there is a disagreement, even re- even if everyone is really focused on the work and everyone is coming at this with, you know, good intentions and, and working well together, that it's it's clear from the outset that like ultimately it's this person who will be like, you know what, I just we're gonna go with that downstage cross and yep, that's gonna captain. happen, you know, yeah. um, and that everyone understands who that person is and, and how how that works, and then kind of down from there what the sort of chain of command is, and then I think as you work with people more that becomes much more fluid. But in the beginning, it's really, I think, crucial to have that kind of setup. (laughs) And if you don't have that, if you ever want to see chaos (laughs) over like, you know, I mean, I have a a friend who's an older director who I love a lot. A lot of people have a tough time working with him. Um, I, I think he's a genius. He ended a relationship of 24 years with the playwright because they got in a fight whether to have, and I'm not kidding, they got in a fight whether to have a screw top bottle of wine or a cork bottle of wine. And they got in a two-day screaming match in the middle of tech out of town. While I, and we're all sitting on stage. And I'm not kidding. They're screaming. And he, they finally start throwing things at each other. Nice. But they, and I think there was other stuff going on. That, that um, but, you know, but it just got to, You need to know kind of who makes the final thing about the wine. You know what I mean? Like, or you're in deep crap. Yeah. <laughs> so, you waste yeah. two days of tech. Yeah, and you, people get hurt. So. <laughs> Which is frightening. <laughs> so, the, the only words I would add to, to your words are um, people who are passionate and people who are t- articulate. 
because I feel like yeah. as a director, so much of what I see my job as being is fostering collaboration. That's what it's all about. So I want people around me who are going to fight for what they believe is the right answer from their perspective, because I'm leading that team. So the lighting designer might be interested in the emotional value of the scene and the beats and all of that, but really, at the end of the day, he's interested in the lights. And, you know, so he should be fighting for, from a lighting perspective, this kind of makes the most sense. And if he can be articulate about why, then that gives me the opportunity when the set designer is saying, oh God, don't do that, you know, for these reasons, then that really helps me decide, you know, yes, lighting-wise that does make sense, scenically that makes sense. I'm looking at the play and the story and what the audience needs, here's what we're going to do. So um, if you can be passionate and you can be articulate and you can let it go, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which if you're too hung up on it, then yeah. it's not going to work. But, you know, at a certain point you have to say, all right, it's going to be the screw top and, you know, yeah. Go for it. Well, like ba- a balance is so important, and and letting things go. I mean, I if you get if you can't let you have to be able. There is no collaboration if you're like, you know, holding grudges, and you know, I mean, like you have to be able to let things go, and you're you're all gonna every person working on that show is gonna lose stuff and gain stuff, and like have the stuff that they want in there. You know, it, it's always going to be a give and take, and, and you have to be willing to do that. And if, if you don't, it's going to be the most miserable experience for everybody involved. You're working alone a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're going to be doing Just puppets. Not only theater. Yeah. <laughs> so. so most of the people who, who who are in this room, and this will be my last question, and then we'll have some time for a couple of questions. Um, most of the people in this room are freelancers who manage manage their schedules and careers full time. Do any of you have any advice about how to translate long-term artistic and career goals into manageable daily or weekly habits? And what are some practical things that you have done to develop your careers? Or have you been totally impractical and (laughs) spontaneous? Um, I try and get, I try and work on a piece as much as I can during the week if I'm not working. Um, For me, that the first thing I do is I start writing a treatment for a dance piece. So I sit down and I write that and I find music and that music will take me on a walk around Manhattan. Love working in Manhattan because I can be physical, but I can kind of be off in my own world, but I know when to stop when the car's coming, you know? (laughs) So it's that sort of wonderful combination. And I live now down by the village, so that's really great to walk around. Um, And sometimes I try and set aside studio time depending on the financial position. But I try and do that just a little bit. I mean, if I'm in a show, if I'm doing a show, then it's like... Because <laughs> you got to kind of focus on that. But I try and address that every day. Also, or it's like, or updating my website, or, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, it's changed for me a lot over the past several years. I mean, I think that... Initially, because I was working for all these performance venues, that was that was really a part. Like I was sort of working, getting income and knowledge and connections and uh, resources, like you know, free studio space. You know, when the theaters closed, um, from these places where I was working, and that was very much informing my artistic work and supporting my artistic work. And more recently, I've been working um, for my income totally outside of the field because it reached a point where I felt like it was not helping me. It was, um, 
people were seeing me as a as an offshoot of this place where I worked for my day job, as opposed to seeing me as a as an artist more consistently. So working, earning income totally in a separate way has actually been a really great balance for me. Though I'm glad that I worked at those venues when I did at that time. Um, and in terms of like continuing, you know, to do some like your sort of question about doing something every day for you. I mean, I feel like I'm constantly working. Even when I'm at my day job, I'm working in my head. And you know, like you're saying, walking around the city, I'm on the train and I'm working. I like, I'm always working. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, maybe your question is more about like the. No, no, that's actually great. I mean, because I think one of the things that I come up against all the time is I feel like applicants and participants are at a disadvantage because they don't sit there with a stack of things that their peers have done and they don't realize how hard everyone is working. I mean, they, people work really hard. So it's actually great to hear that. Yeah, I, I'm i constantly working. I mean, it's, it's actually an issue for me right now. I mean, like, you know, talking about, I, I also am, like, looking to have a family and, like, sort of have a simpler life. And so. it's, like, it, it is a constant, every time I'm, like, okay, this is the last project for six months. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, before those words are out of my mouth, I've got four more things going on. So it's just, like, it, it just never stops. <laughs> I guess, uh, I'm not sure this is really your question, but... Um, one practical piece of advice that I would offer is that you know people are directors are always asking how do I get people to see my work, and they're also um, saying you know well everybody says it's all who you know and I don't know anybody so what do I do, and I think that uh, an, a, a practical step towards dealing with both of those issues is um, you know the six degrees of separation question you know okay maybe you don't know the person who you want to come see your show but who do you know who knows that person? And Facebook has become a, an awfully good way of figuring that out. Um, you are connected to a lot more people than you think. And the truth of the matter is, you trying to get that per, you know person X to come see your show is probably less effective than that person's friend trying to get them to see the show. And so if you have advocates out there for you who have seen your work, who like you, who will champion you, who will write an email on your behalf and say to that person you're targeting, you know, I just want you to know, I just went down to PS122 and saw the show, you would love it. That is so much more effective than you saying, hi, I know you don't know who I am, but I have this show at PS122, I think you'd really like it. Um, so, because of course your email would be in that tone of voice, right? Um, so, uh, I, I think that can be really useful. Okay. I, I mean, just to just add what to what they're, you know, I, I, I think you're married too, I think so. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, they, I, I think balance, as I was talking about before, is really important. Um, I'm the same way. I, I'm kind of a workaholic. I, lo- I love working and, um, and I'm always afraid when I'm not working. I'm like one of those people that goes on vacation and after a day I'm ready to kill myself. <laughs> so it's like I always like sneak scripts on the plane with my wife. So, um, I actually run, I, my wife is a producer and an actor, and so we actually work together um, and do things together. So we, we do it as a family. Uh, our son is, on, is starting school in the fall, so it's going to be interesting because he's on a theater schedule right now. So he goes to bed at like 10.30 and wakes up at 8, and uh, that's going to change very soon. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but making sure that you have time for your family and for your friends. And, I mean, for me, theater is about life. And if you're not living life, I don't really know how you're going to come into a rehearsal hall and, and fake it and you know pretend you know other that I, I think your work will lose greatly if you are not 
living life and, and experiencing life and reading the newspaper and going to other countries and, and experiencing things and having relationships and spending time with your friends and eating food and jogging and swimming and going to the beach. And I mean, you need, you have to live life or how are you going to come into a room and, you know, are you, you, yeah, you're going to bullshit about it if you don't understand it. So it's, you know, so, you know, like you've got to have time for the people that you love and, you know, so you can come in full. And when you start to feel burnt out, don't, you know, you know, you got to take time for yourself and, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay to just go sit at the Russian baths for an hour and shut your phone off and listen to like Russian Jewish men speaking another language and, <laughs> you know, tell you what you should be doing with your life and that you're doing wrong. You know, it's just actually, it's a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, that's it. It's important. You're going you're gonna to be actually, yeah. to use your word, continually hustling, really. Yeah. You really are. So it's not like, I'm sorry, I have to tell you. It's not like it's going like, to... It doesn't really get easier. It, it does a little bit, you know, um, whatever that would be for you, you know. Um, but you're continually turning that wheel. And if you put all of your eggs in there and put all your focus in there, your life is just going to, like, just be that. And that's to me, that's, that's not a full artist. It's really not. And it's very easy to get focused like that. I mean, I was like that for the first 10 years. Yeah, you're like, then yes, it's the marriage. It's the marriage. That that was it. No. You know, and I got married. My husband is not a part of this world. He was a part of that world, so he gets it. He understands tech, which is great. <laughs> and he's one of the, 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 one of the people that I go to with my work because he will be brutally honest. Um, thank God, you know. Uh, but it's also important to be like, oh, right. Let's go for a bike ride. <laughs> right. I like you. You're really cute. Wow. Let's hang out. You know? No, you have to. You, you really have to, to do that. And sometimes it is a struggle to it's make hard. that happen because then you feel like you're, you know, sacrificing your art, but you're not. You're actually going to make it better. I mean, my wife and I have late night movie times. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll work till, we usually, you know, get up around eight with our son and work till around one or two in the morning every day to kind of get everything in. And sometimes we'll like stop at 12 or one and we'll be like, look, we're going to see what's on IFC. I don't care what it is. And we're watching it. And we'll stay up till three in the morning and be totally exhausted the next day. But th- those two hours of like sitting there, you know, and, and not, and turning your crap off and eating popcorn is so important to do, you know, I, th- I think. You know, yeah, so. absolutely. Do we have any questions? Yes. I actually appreciate all that stuff about living a full life. I feel like I struggle with that a lot. Um, One of the things that came up in an earlier conversation was the frustration of seeing the same people do all the work. And I'm sure you guys feel that too, to a degree, that if you look at Broadway or something, um, it feels like it's the same directors and the same designers at every show. you know, I'm not in consideration for those kind of jobs, but even starting to try and get into the regional market a little bit, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm finding a lot of resistance because everyone just uses their same people over and over again. Sure. And it is nice to have those collaborators, but how, as a young director, can you get people? I mean, other than other than the obvious thing of come see this work, come see my work, come see my work. Um, how do you have you had to? get people to take a chance on you and how did you do that? How do you get people that, to break away from their regular collaborators and give you a shot on something? How do you do a lot of A lot of what? <laughs> 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 uh, well, um, 
I think, you know, of course it's frustrating to see the same people working over and over again. But just, you know, from the other side of the coin, as, as we all know, theater is very risky, uh, certainly from a financial standpoint. Um, but even when it's, you know, if it's a nonprofit, still, you know, a bad show that's poorly attended and gets bad reviews can really set you back. So the stakes are high for the producers, and the, the statistics will tell them that they will fail. And so therefore, um, you know, I don't blame them for, for saying, well, look, I want a proven entity. I want someone who, they might fail, but they certainly have succeeded in the past. And so I think there's a, a better shot they will succeed again. And that's why they do it. And it's frustrating, but it happens. So, um, you know, but one way to sneak in there, certainly, is if you are attached to a project that a producer wants. So, you know, how are you going to get that, that Broadway gig? Well, maybe you're not. But how are you going to get that nymph gig? Well, maybe you will. And if the nymph gig goes on to Broadway, maybe you'll go with it. Maybe you won't. But maybe you will. You certainly have a better chance. So, it, you know, again, the way to work is to work, and that might sound flip or silly, but it's true. If you're doing your work at a smaller level and it starts to get attention and goes forward, you go with it. And if you develop relationships with writers or people who are creating theater that um, is at a smaller level, but it goes forward, you often will go with it. I also think it's, it's good not to be in too much of a hurry. I mean, I think mm. when I first moved here and I was working at PS, I had the same complaint. You know, I was looking at who was being curated there, and I was like, hey, these are all the same people that are here every year, and like, well, why don't you give somebody else a chance? And you know, now sort of looking at it, it's like, well, where, where else are those folks going to make work? You know, it, it actually is comforting in a sense to think that as you continue to make work that you might continue to have a home and not be increasingly supplanted by like the next group of folks that, that come in. And also, I think as much as when I first got here, I was like, I have something to say. Give me, some, give me a show. You know, I, it, I really benefited from having a lot of time to develop without a ton of uh, initial scrutiny. You know, like it, some people watching, of course, but not like really jumping out into the deep end right away. It's really helpful, I think, to really develop what it is that you're doing. And also, ultimately, you know, as you were sort of saying before, and we've been saying about collaboration, like, you have to build trust. Like, that that's how you're going to get... I mean, I think that's how you're going to get the kind of work that you probably want to have, is, is by being hired by someone who feels that they can trust you, you know, that you're proven in some sense. And so um, you have to develop those relationships, you know, in addition to developing your work and really being able to feel like people not only know your work, but they know who you are, and they, they feel like they can fit you into a, a team of people based on who you are and how you approach work. And that's somewhere where I think your reputation becomes enormously important. People yeah. really do listen to each other, and they really do talk to each other, yeah. and they really will check up on you. Yeah. And that can be with another act, you know, with an actor who is in a show, a designer, another director, a producer you work for, an artistic director. They will, they will check. And if people, if enough people are saying... Oh, yeah, I worked with her. She's fantastic. She's great. You're going to love her. That's very meaningful for people. Well, thank you all for coming today, and thank you to Jeremy Stafford. Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. 
This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.